This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. We are Odyssey's 49ers web zone No Huddle Podcast. I'm Al Sacco along with Brian Rennick. And our co-host today, it's another collab pod. And we have, listen, if you, if you follow the 49ers and you follow 49ers content, you absolutely know who this guy is. He's actually He's been killing it with content for a long time now. He's currently with Niners Nation. He is Akash Anabarathan, or as I told him when we just talked to him off air, he doesn't even need a last name. He's just Akash. <laughs> he's like Beyonce. He's like Prince. You just know him as Akash. And we're thrilled to have him right now. Akash, thanks for being here, buddy. Appreciate you guys for having me. Al, as you know, we've written together before. Yeah, I've been following your content for a long time. Brian, I've been following your content recently. Big fan of your guys' work. And uh, yeah, I just appreciate you for having me on. Likewise, man, we're definitely Absolutely. fans of your work too. You know, you just everything you do is is great and top notch. So I can't I can't wait. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done anything together. So it's I can't wait to talk some Niners with you today. And I want to start just because I haven't talked to you, and it's been such a crazy season with the quarterback going from Lance to Garoppolo and now Brock Purdy. I just want to know where you are with all of it, man. The whole season and where <laughs> we are with Brock. Just kind of take us through your emotions and how you're feeling right now. I think coming into the season, we were all excited for the Trey Lance show, right? Ever since they traded those three first-round picks, got up to number three, we're all excited to see, A, who they were going to take, and then how that player was going to pan out under Kyle Shanahan with all the weapons on this offense. Unfortunately, he gets hurt, you know, a couple weeks into the season, and then you're back to Jimmy Garoppolo, and then you realize what the roster they have, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo finally being fully healthy, and then them adding Christian McCaffrey, he just started to play better and better. And you're like, oh man, you know, this might be as good and as efficient as Garoppolo has played for the 49ers. And so naturally, you start to think, okay, the Super Bowl hopes and all that stuff starts to come into play. And then he gets hurt, um, and Brock Purdy steps in. And at that point, you're thinking, can they just keep the ship afloat? Can they just get to the playoffs here? And then maybe, depending on who they play in the first round, win a game or two. Um, and then you watch Brock Purdy play over the last few weeks, and you're like, have they just improved at the quarterback position? Because he's improvising, he's hitting plays under pressure, he's creating out of the pocket, he's hitting touchdowns down the sideline. And it's just been an absolute roller coaster. And I think you just take it week for week. And 
with Brock Purdy now, you just you just see, okay, can he do it again? He's done it two weeks, right? He stepped in. He showed what he can do against the Dolphins. He prepared for a Todd Bowles defense and passed that test. And now the next test is, can you go on the road to Seattle, short week, up against a Pete Carroll defense, and can you be efficient once again? And so I feel like we're just taking it for – you know, what it is at this point and just enjoying the ride because it's been a hell of a season. Yeah, Brian and I were talking last show with Purdy. It's weird because you brought Lance in for the bigger plays, right? And then you get Jimmy in here and he's kind of plays point guard and he's a, he's efficient. And Purdy's kind of doing both so far. And again, a lot can happen. It's only been two games that he's really played, but he's hitting the short throws. He's playing point guard. And then he's hitting these these twenty plus yard touchdowns outside the numbers, which which we haven't seen. So all of a sudden, it's a little bit of both, and it's way too premature to get too excited. But it's hard not to be. <laughs> I had said last show too. It's that was one of the funnest games I've watched in a while last week, just to see them, you know, put an ass kicking on uh, Tampa and the way that they did it, and to have this quarterback come in and and really kind of ignite the fan base about it. It's it's been cool to watch, Brian. Yeah, you know, I, I was talking to my buddy uh, Chris uh, yesterday at uh, pickup at school. Um, our kids go to school together, and uh, we we're just talking 49ers in the parking lot. And it it really does feel like <clears throat> with Brock Purdy again in parentheses, small sample size, right? You always got to say that it's not trying to to be a wet blanket, right? We'll leave that to Al. Al but Al is Al has been a damp blanket this year, which is great. <laughs> That's awesome, right? But it really feels like Jimmy Garoppolo's game has a giant hole and Trey Lance's game has a giant hole. Garoppolo's game, his hole is mobility and playmaking. Doesn't have any of it, right? He's he's a statue in the pocket. If the play breaks down, he's either taking a sack, throwing an interception, or very recently throwing the ball away, which has been a huge development, right? <laughs> and you're like, the fact that we have to, to cheer that on, I think tells you a lot about kind of where his game has been but and then and then with Trey Lance all the physical tools are there it's just a, a complete lack of experience and a complete lack of playing time over the past really three years which is crazy to think about um, but and then and then in comes Brock Purdy who has the mobility and the playmaking that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't who can extend the play keep the play alive or even salvage uh, a bad play call and he has the experience of 47 starts at a power five school that allows him to 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 really not have the moment be too big for him that's the biggest thing for me was stepping in against the dolphins and then you know stepping in your first start against the goat right in his homecoming and to go out and and perform the way that he has and so Again, small sample size, but it really feels like a marriage of of the two players. the 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 only thing that that worries me with Brock is is the physical limitations. But we really haven't seen those physical limitations limit him so far in the two games that he's played. So, you know, this offense doesn't need Josh Allen. It doesn't need Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't need someone with a rocket launcher attached to their shoulder. It needs somebody that's willing to make the plays down the field and has enough arm to get there, like a Matt Ryan, right? Does Brock Purdy have more of a Matt Ryan arm? Probably, and, and Matt Ryan might have a better arm a little bit, but, but you know, we're also comparing Matt Ryan in 2018 versus, you know, 
earlier in his career when he's starting to go down a little bit. So that's the thing that's most exciting is, Hey, here's a guy who, here's a guy who, who marries the two things together. And so we're going to get a, a, a large sample size from him moving forward. He's going to play the rest of the way. He's going to play in the playoffs. Right. And we're going to get a good idea of who he is. And, and, and as we stated earlier out, I would love to have the problem of what do we do with these two young quarterbacks who were, were we believe both need this team. I'm, I'm down to have that problem. We got a long off season to talk about that. So, <laughs> um, hopefully it'd be a good problem to have. So Akash, you see, you see what's happened with the team over the last two weeks. And then you kind of look at the NFC as a whole, which other than Philly, eh, you know, does anybody really scare you? I think the Niners would be the number two team there. Have your expectations changed at all for this team going into the playoffs? Like going in there and, and taking a look at the field and what's going to be, what do you think this team can do moving forward as, as they get into January? Absolutely. And as you guys know, I love Football Outsiders DVOA. And basically it looks at success on like a per play basis and just looks at how that is compared to your opponent based off of where you play, based off of game situation. So it Mm -hmm. looks at, you know, all those type things and looks at how efficient you are. And since week 10, 49ers are number one in total team DVOA by a wide bullet. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, right now I'd say hottest team in the NFL. I mean, they've won six straight. They are averaging like 29 points per game in that span. They're only allowing 11 points. So not only are they winning, I mean, they are kicking people's ass um, as they're doing that. And I think the addition of Christian McCaffrey has just completely changed this offense and how Kyle Shanahan now attacks defenses. And then defensively, you know, they've, They've been doing this all season. They had a couple games, right, between Atlanta and Kansas City where they struggled, but it seems like they've gotten back on track, and now Eric Armstead's healthy, and mm-hmm. and their defense is firing on all cylinders. So I don't think there's necessarily a team in the NFC that worries me. Philly, extremely talented. You know, they have an MVP candidate in Jalen Hurts. They're talented in the trenches, right, offensive line, defensive line. They're stout. Um, and, you know, assuming they get home field advantage, having to go play in Philadelphia – and those in that weather against that fan base probably is a tall, tall task. But I would take my chances just given the fact that Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts haven't necessarily been in that situation. Whereas Kyle Shanahan, this team, they've been through the ringer multiple postseasons now. They've won road playoff games. They know what it takes. And then the Cowboys don't necessarily scare me either. Just again, coaching staff, their offense has been kind of up and down. It's been somewhat of a roller coaster. I know they've been more of a defensive led team. And given the fact that they're going to be a wild card, right, the 49ers had to go through this last season, winning consecutive road playoff games just takes a toll on your team. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where Cowboys would probably run into some issues, assuming, you know, they're, they don't win that division and have to go on the road to Tampa Bay, on the road to Philly, et cetera, et cetera. So I take, take the 49ers' chances, especially if Brock Purdy's going to play this way and he keeps up, you know, his level of play. I mean, it's hard to find a weakness on this team. Um Right now, you'd think, okay, it's just Purdy's inexperienced, but he continues to just answer every test you throw in front of him. So with that said, I, I, I take my chances. And pretty consistently, it feels like those three are kind of your NFC contenders. So do you guys know the last team with one loss or less to win the Super Bowl? Do you know who that is? Oh, man. Probably. I'm just throwing this. So, so I heard this the today. Super Bowl? To win the Super Bowl. I heard this say Philly looks like they're probably going to go 16-1. and if you look at their schedule, maybe they'll get two losses. But if they go 16 and one, the last team, so you had 
just think of some teams 15 was and there one. one? <laughs> there was. There was. The Panthers were 15 and one a few years ago with mm. Cam Newton and they lost. You have okay. 16 and 0 Patriots who lost. Uh, the Packers were 15 and one one year and I think they lost in one of the years they lost to the Giants. The last team with one loss to win the Super Bowl was the 85 Bears. Oof. Okay. The 84 Niners also did it, and the Raiders were 13 and one in the 70s, and they did it. So just because you go through the regular season guns blazing with one loss doesn't mean really anything. But the one thing that scares me about Philly, I think, right now, and, and we'll see as the season goes on, the Niners are really banged up on the interior of their defensive line right now. Yeah, good point. Philly can run the hell out of the ball. Philly's the one team, definitely in the honest. Well, AFC, you got your Allen, Mahomes, and Burrow, so anything can happen there. It's a different challenge. And yeah, yeah, exactly. 100%, 100%. Just having that QB is, is a different type of challenge. But what Philly can do, as well as Hurts is playing, their offensive and defensive lines can play with the Niners' offensive and defensive lines. Philly's got the best offensive line in the league. They're loaded on the D-line, and they had a problem stopping the run, and they go out and they sign, was it uh, Sue and Joseph Sue. Yeah. To, to help that, to help out them? So they're the one team that I think can, I don't want to say out-physical the 49ers, but at least compete with their physicality. And that scares me. When, but when I look at the NFC, I'm not scared of any of the teams that are going to get in in the wild card: the Giants, the Commanders, the Lions, who I love. I'm loving the story, but I'm not scared of them. <laughs> Seattle, I think, is you know they're turning back into a pumpkin. I'm not afraid of the Vikings. We've seen. I think they're frauds. Dallas, yeah, with that front with Micah Parsons and those guys, they they can be scary. But how many times have we seen them shit the bed in the playoffs? So really, it's Philly and the Niners that I see kind of on a collision course, assuming Brady or Brady, uh, Purdy keeps playing the way that he is, but that's right. That's the team that scared me. It's, that's it's not. I, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna go on record now and say that that wasn't a slip up out to compare. Little Freudian, Brock Purdy, Tom Brady. <laughs> I love Brock, Brady. it. Brady. <laughs> I love it. Um, Akash, one of the reasons why uh, I started following you in the first place uh, uh, because you share your love of numbers that I do, um, and so you know, in preparing for this, I went through and, and looked at a lot of DVOA, and I actually went through the last six weeks. Um, mainly because I wanted to see really post McCaffrey trade. Uh, and so if you, if you filter DVOA uh, over the last six weeks, uh, San Francisco, like you said, is, is number one overall. And like I said, with a bullet uh, second is Dallas. And so again, with DVOA uh, they use a percentage, right? And so 0% is league average. Okay. That's what, that's how DVOA works. And over the last six weeks, again, overall, so offense, defense, special teams, San Francisco is first overall at 61.5%, okay, which is massive. I mean, that's – it's huge. I mean, huge. Second is Dallas at 39.6. There quite literally hasn't been a team in the NFL over the last six weeks that can sniff the 49ers' performance. It's unbelievable. And that has everything to do with offense, defense, even the special teams has picked up over the last six weeks. It's been impressive to Absolutely. watch. Um, and, and then to your point, Al, about Philly, it's interesting because Philly's rush offense, again, over the last uh, six weeks, is first in the NFL. And, and they're, they're running – their efficiency numbers on the, in, uh, in the run game are incredible. They're, they're, they're first overall at 38.6%. 30% is what you expect to see uh, from a passing offense. Like a good top five passing offense will be in that 30% range. They're in that range with their run game. And so it really is, they are head and shoulders better than anybody else running the ball in the NFL. And a lot mm -hmm. of that has to do with Jalen Hurts. 
Um, and so the, the big thing for me, this defense in the past has shown a, a, a distinct struggle against mobile quarterbacks. And you look at the, you look at the, the, the games where the defense struggled this year, we, we highlighted specifically Atlanta and, and Kansas city. Now in, in both of those games, there were injuries, right? Where, where a lot of key contributors were out in Atlanta, Bosa wasn't playing, uh, uh, Eric Armstead was out already. Uh, I believe we were missing at least uh, we were missing Aziz. Might have missed Dre that game. I can't, but there were injuries. And then even <laughs> against Kansas City, you know, injuries kind of they were banged up that, that game. That, yeah, they yeah. were banged up. Yeah. Um, and so, what's interesting is that again, this this 49ers defense is uh, you know first overall in DVOA uh, for the whole season, but also if you in just the past six weeks. Uh, but they've been really, really good against the run. And so it really, if those two teams meet, it really will be strength on strength. Um, the 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 only thing that scares me is as efficient as Philly is in the run game, they're also equally efficient in their pass game. So they really are, they really are a good team. Um, but I the way that this team has been playing over the last six weeks, there isn't a team in the NFL that scares me. Uh, and I'll be perfectly honest, even Kansas City. Um, because I don't think if we, if, if they played each other again, I don't think you're going to see anywhere near the type of performance on the offensive side of the ball that they would have against this defense with Armstead, with, with their entire complement of, uh, of defensive players. And then possibly, hopefully as Shanahan said, Kinlaw starts to practice after the Seattle game. So again, you've got another, another player coming back that makes this defense even better. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and this Seattle game is huge, obviously. We'll get into that. But I wanted to bring up to you guys. So Debo is out, obviously, and those targets have to go somewhere. I went back and looked at the game against the Rams where Debo was out. And Jimmy threw 25 passes. McCaffrey had nine targets. Ayuk, six. Kittle, five. Jeff Wilson, two. And then Dwelly, McLeod, and Crofty shed one. So I'm just waiting. Is George Kittle ever going to – is it going to happen again? And I, and I don't mean one game where he gets 80 yards and touchdown. I mean, is he going to go on a tear, a tear like he did last year when he had the three weeks in a row, 12 targets, nine catches, 181 yards, two touchdowns, 15 targets, 13 catches, 151 yards, and a touchdown, and then six, six, and 93 with no scores. And last year, I don't think anybody was saying he was having this great season, but he played 14 games. 71 catches, 910 yards, and six touchdowns. If he plays a full season, he's got 1,000 yards. Still a good year. Obviously, for a tight end, it's a great year. 
But this year, it just it hasn't been happening for him. He's had a few good games. He had a good game against Atlanta and KC statistically, and against Arizona, four for 84 with a couple of touchdowns. But you look at Kittle in his career now. His rookie season, he averaged 34 yards a game, 86 next year, then 75, 79, and the last two years have been 65, and this year just 45. Are his best days behind him? Is this just a product of having other guys in the offense? Are they using him different? Akash, why, why is this happening to him? I know it feels like a lot of people are are wondering the same thing. And I think there's a couple different reasons. And first, I think it's the complement of weapons uh, on offense, right? You look at their receiving core, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Juwan Jennings, hell, even Ray Ray McLeod gets some targets. And then now you add Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, who's getting uh, targets, you know, as a, as a patch, as a pass catcher out of the backfield and the 49ers, especially under Kyle Shanahan, in some of these neutral down situations, they tend to they tend to run the ball more than they pass the ball. So just if you look at the number of passing attempts, it's on the lower end compared to other NFL teams. So you're squeezed for targets to begin with. And then now you've got four, five, six legitimate other threats as well in the past game. It's just it's just been hard to find them targets. And Kyle Shanahan said this before. I don't think they go into a game saying, hey, we're going to get this guy involved, right? I think they look at it defensively and say, hey, we're going to attack this coverage. We're going to attack this corner. Mm-hmm. We're going to find a weakness and we're going to attack that. Um, and then they just let the chips fall where they may. And there's been some games where Kittle's been more effective. Um, but I just think that's where he is at this stage of his career. You know, when he put up his record-breaking numbers in 17, 18, you know, the guys he was playing with were, you know, not to, you know, diss those guys, but – aren't on the same level as the talent he's playing with now. And so it's just harder to find the same number of targets and catches. And that's fine because I think he adds value in the other facet of the game, which is the run game. And he makes such an impact without touching the ball Um, week in and week out. You can find clips after the game where he's making blocks in the run game to spring explosive runs. And so it doesn't necessarily bother me especially when the offense is as efficient as it is that he's only getting three, four five targets and not necessarily, you know, uh, exploding like he did in, in 2018. I, I think it'd be a bigger deal if the offense wasn't continuing to find success in other ways. You know, if, if we were having this conversation and the offense was, you know, averaging 17 points a game, then it'd be like, what are we doing? Like, there are so like many they like they were two like, weeks ago. <laughs> we feel good now. Were they averaging? But they weren't averaging 17 two weeks ago. Like I mean, they've had. Do you have the wall lost down? Here comes the wet blanket. Wall, wall. Yeah. Was that, well, regardless, right? And, but that, and that was part of the, and, and we did have that question, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think, and I, I also think, you know, more teams are, more teams know what they want to do to defend this this Kyle Shanahan offense and more teams have, have started to defend the middle of the field more. Um, and that is where, where, where Kittle was living when he was, when he was, you know, tearing it up like he was, you know, he doesn't, they don't, San Francisco doesn't use George Kittle. Like Casey uses Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is a tight end and name only, right? He is a glorified, you know, slot receiver a lot of times. And so, you know, he is not getting, he's not, he's not in line more, more than he is, you know, lined out wide. And so, Mm -hmm. and and he's the best pass catcher in their offense. 
he's also a better got, route runner. And he's a better route runner. Yeah. 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 You know, he, he he is more receiver than he is tight end. And so, you know, when you compare it to, I mean, if you look at Kelsey's numbers versus any other tight end in the league, it's ridiculous how much more production he has than even the, the guy that's number two, which I would yeah, assume is probably Mark Andrews. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I think, I think they pick their spots with Kittle now. I think, I think he is, he's one of the guys that they look to uh, in, um, in third and long. He's one of the guys that they, they, they have started to look to in the, in the red zone. And, and, you know, the other thing you got to think about is we've got a new quarterback, right? What, who does this, who does this quarterback have rapport with? And it seems like he's working his rapport out as <laughs> on the run because he hasn't mm-hmm. practiced with the ones until last week. Um, but you know, I, I, I think it, it has, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Uh, but you know, you also look at juice at juice and say, you know, that guy, it's hard to calculate his value unless you watch the film and you see everything that he does that allows that running game to work. And Kittle does the same thing, like you said, Akash. And so, you know, his value to this team is more than just as a pass catcher. And so that, those are the glory stats, obviously, um, <laughs> And like I said, if this if this team was in the midst of, of of a scoring struggle, I think it'd be a bigger you know a bigger story. But as is right now with with the with the way that they've they've played over the past six weeks, you know his his effect on the pass game or his absence in the pass game really hasn't kept them from from being an incredibly effective and efficient offense. Yeah, it hasn't. Where where I get frustrated with it is, like I said, where we were a few weeks ago. So when they're not scoring against the Chargers, and he has two targets and a catch in twenty-one yards. When they're when they're not scoring against the Saints, and he has four catches or four targets, three catches, twenty-six yards. That's that's where I get frustrated. And I think when he catches the ball, he'll catch a little five-yard pass or whatever, and he runs somebody over, and you just feel the energy of the team. Just you could just feel it. Yeah. You could feel it through the TV. And then he just disappears in the passing game. And it's fine now, like you said, as long as they're doing what they're doing. Who got, well, I don't care if, if Tyler Croft has 20 catches. I don't care if he does it. But when it's not happening, that's where it gets frustrating. And where I also where it gets frustrating to me, we've seen them in the playoffs. They've gotten knocked out of the playoffs because they've had trouble scoring. That's that's just the way it's happened. They scored 20 points against Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It's not getting it done. And they only had, what was it, 17, 17. in the NFC Championship game? <laughs> not getting it done. They had trouble Kittle, at the quarterback position now. And oh, it, it was pre-Brock, right? Before That's Brock. Right. But, <laughs> but um, those six games, 15 catches, 179 yards for Kittle in the playoffs. So I would like to see him, I guess, moral of the story for me is I would like to see him um, maybe in some bigger spots get featured a little bit more. Kyle Shanahan also is known for like holding, holding plays back, right? Holding even almost holding players back in terms of like, I'm going to unleash this guy later. When in 2027 playoffs? No, no, no. But I mean like, but my, but my thing is perhaps again, as you know, to me, it seems like Kyle Shanahan plays games with the rest of the rest of the league all the time. Right. Like, you know, formation wise plays that set up other plays, plays that Mm -hmm. plays that plays that feed into your defensive rules just so that, in the second half, they can break those rules with the same exact play, just with a little tweak or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if 
if things start to shift. I don't want to say towards the end of the season because, again, we're talking about it is December 14th. December 15th tomorrow is an opportunity to clinch the NFC West with four with three games to play, which is is crazy to it's me. Nuts. And and so yeah, right, you know, right. Well, yeah, and so we'll see with with QB three. By the way, um, let's not forget that. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, again, all of a sudden we see Kittle more involved in, in playoff game plans or, or if we just don't and, and, and that's okay. As long as, like you said, they're scoring, but I think that that playoff issue that has more to do with, with the quarterback play than anything else. Am I crazy, Akash? Am I just finding something to bitch about here? Or is this? Is this? <laughs> no, no. I, and I get it. And I think a couple weeks ago, the complaints, complaints about their just, scoring output was valid right and you look into a lot of their metrics like yards per drive they'd be top 10 yards per drive but then they would be top like 18 in points per drive for instance mm-hmm. right? they would get to the red zone yet they would struggle and i think you know if you just look back a lot of shanahan's concept is is creating like high and low reads making defenders choose creating creating horizontal space and obviously in the red zone as you guys know space shrinks and quarterbacks and your playmakers got to step up and make plays beyond what the play call is. And sometimes the play call has been bad. Sometimes it's been there. They've missed it. And it's just somehow when they get inside the twenties, they were struggling there for a little bit. And now these last few weeks, they've just been a little bit more explosive on offense. I mean, they scored a couple times outside of the red zone. Um, obviously Brock pretty ran one in. And so they've just found other ways to score this week. And so just that slight difference has now changed our perception of their entire offense. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, I I dubbed it the blue balls offense earlier this season, <laughs> right? We would get we would get all we'd almost get there and then just fizzle out. <laughs> Glad all right, so this is anymore. listen, this is a huge game, and it would be nothing would be sweeter than clinching the division in Seattle, a place where they've won what twice since 2011. Alex Smith yeah. beat them right around this time, the Alex Smith fled team in 2011. Yeah in December, and then they win in 2019, the last game of the season with a green loss stop. Other than that, it's it's been a house of horrors for this team. It really has. And it's mostly been Russell Wilson. But even last year when Wilson was struggling, you know, they still find a, found a way to lose to them. So this is this is a huge game. It's a Thursday night. You're going on the road. Purdy's banged up. Hope he plays. My God, if I got to watch Josh Johnson, <laughs> I, I cannot, cannot physically take. My heart can't take it. I can't take it. So you got to hope that Purdy's going to play and they can get this done. I think they're going to get it done anyway, even if they don't win this week. But um, oh, yeah. my God. But the stat that stuck out to me the most as we looked in this game, Akash, you put it on Twitter. I took a picture of it. I really liked it. Seahawks rushing defense the last five games has been atrocious. 21 for 122, 44 for 161, 40 for 283. 33, 171, and 46 for 223. So teams are just turning around, handing it off, and just running all over them. Is that the key to the game? Absolutely, that's the key to the game. And their rushing defense 
was okay in the first half of the season. I mean, in the back half. So since week 10, right, Brian's was talking about the last five weeks or so. They're 32nd in yards per carry allowed. They're 30th in run defense DVOA. They're 31st in EPA per play against the run and 30th in success rate against the run. So just bottom three run defense over the last like four or five weeks. Uh, They're missing a couple of key defensive linemen. I think Al Woods isn't playing. Um, And so they've been susceptible. And, you know, part of it is, yeah, they're giving up a lot of yards. But if you look at it, like Tampa Bay ran the ball for 44 times. Uh, They played the Panthers. They ran the ball 46 times. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is now your defense staying fresh, staying off the sidelines. You are controlling clock. You're controlling the ball. You're grinding these, you know, uh, offensive series out. And that just plays kind of into the formula that Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers want to utilize. And so I think it starts with that. And the Niners run offense has also been effective the last few weeks. I think Jordan Mason's averaging like five and a half yards per clip over the last three weeks, ever since he's just been more integrated in the offense. Christian McCaffrey looks more explosive. Uh, I think he had like three or four 10 plus yard runs this past week. So he's coming in, you know, to his own, looks a lot healthier. I know he had the knee irritation a couple weeks ago, so he looks fresh. I just think the Niners strength, which is, which is now starting to become their run rushing offense against Seattle's weakness. Their run defense is just the key to this game. And then, you, you know, you flip it over to the other side, you know, people were talking about Geno Smith, like he was an MVP in the first month of the season and he was playing well. You know, I think he was fifth in EPA per play in the first month mm-hmm. of the season, despite, you know, putting up no points against the 49ers and having his worst performance of the season in week two. But in the back half of the season, in the last like 10 weeks, he's fallen to 18th in EPA per play. He's a lot more just pedestrian. He's been turning the ball over a little bit more and they've been more reliant on him as a thrower. And that just hasn't necessarily worked out. I know they get Kenneth Walker, their stud rookie running back back this week. So that'll be a point of emphasis, but I just think Seattle kind of peaked and they're trending the wrong way. And the Niners are just, like I said earlier, they're the hottest team in football playing their, you know, the best, assuming Brock Purdy's a go. I just, I feel like the 49ers should be able to handily win this game. I know things get weird when they play Seattle. I was there last year in Seattle and, you know, there's like a fake punt. Jimmy Garoppolo threw mm-hmm. some backbreaking interceptions to Bobby Wagner. It went to overtime. It was just a weird game, and weird crap always happens against the Seahawks. But I think the Niners are the better team. They're trending the right way. They know what's at stake with, uh, you know, the NFC West on the line. I just think they come out and take care of business. Yeah, I was uh, I was listening to uh, Robert Mays' The Athletic Football Show. By the way, Al, I did make it on to the uh, mailbag episode. Oh, did they play your uh, question? Voice. Good for, good yeah, for you, man. Voice, I was on you. There, so I'm pretty excited. <laughs> you're mo- you're I, uh, moving up in the world, Brian. That's right. Brian Rennick, part of the Athletic Football Show, at least that one episode. Um, but uh, but uh, he had Mike Sando on, and they do a, a Monday morning hangover, and they were talking specifically about Seattle. They were talking about the storylines that we thought could, could go through the rest of the season, and then turns out that they haven't, right? And one of them was Seattle and the success that they were having. Uh, they've had five games and, and it feels like of those five, I think four have come in like the last, it feels like the last five or six weeks, but they've had five games where opponents have run 40 plus times on them, uh, which leads the NFL. And then we talked about that Carolina game last week, Carolina rushed 46 times for 223 yards. The longest run for any Panther was a 26 yard scramble from Sam Darnold. So 
they ran for 223 yards and their longest run was 26. Like that, that's tough to do. That's in the NFL to get over 200 yards on the ground and not have some massive run that you broke for a touchdown. uh, It tells you that again, they were just pounding the ball on them and Seattle had zero answer. And then on the flip side, we talked about Akash, you talked about Geno Smith and his, you know, his meteoric rise in the first half and kind of come back down to earth in the second half. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Seattle has not been able to run the ball at all uh, Mm -hmm. over their past six games. In fact, uh, again, going back the last six weeks, uh, Seattle is 32nd in offensive DVO and rush offensive DVOA 32nd at minus 38%, minus 38%, which again, average being 0%, which means that the opposing defense has a 38% advantage every time that Seattle runs the ball. They're not running it anywhere. They're, they've got nothing. In fact, against Carolina, they had 10 running back carries for 28 yards. That was it. Damn. And so Geno Smith is not good enough to carry an offense like Josh Allen if you don't have a run game. He needs that run game to help his own efficiency, and it hasn't been there. And so Seattle is trending in the exact opposite direction as the 49ers. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I have no, I have no inclination that, that there's going to be a blowout. This is a game in Seattle against Pete Carroll. They're playing for their playoff lives because if they don't win the West, they're likely not going to get a playoff spot. Uh, They, as a matter of fact, as things stand right now, they're on the outside looking in. So they're playing for their playoff lives. Uh, So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in the business of predicting blowouts. Uh, I thought both games the past two weeks were going to be close and they weren't. And so I would rather think, Hey, this game's going to be close. And then, you know, be ready to crack a beer and and not even watch the second half. Cause you know, they're up 28, nothing on the bucks, but it, it really is. It, it really is. This team is exactly opposite of what Pete Carroll wants to be. <laughs> Pete Carroll wants to run the ball yeah. and he wants to stop the run. And they can't do either one of those things, which is interesting. You know what I just realized, you guys? My microphone has not been plugged in this entire time. So I hope I don't sound <laughs> like that when this comes on. I just I just looked at my, like, my microphone is not on it. I just never plugged it in. So there you go. So if I sound like shit on this podcast, that's why. Um, real, re, re, really quick, you mentioned Mike Sando, and I wanted to throw this out there because it's just, I don't know, I always, stories like this, I just want to um, give people praise when I can. So when I first started doing this, I mean, first started. So whenever that was eight years ago, I don't know, but I would reach out to people just like for like, Hey, for advice, or I'm just getting started. I reached out to a lot of people. The only two people who got back to me were Mike Sando and Pete Briscoe. Awesome. The only two people. And I will always appreciate them for that. And Mike's a great dude. And you mentioned him on there. He's a great guy. He's always willing to help or give advice or like respond. Awesome. So he's one of the guys out there. If you're doing this man, like and I would be willing to help anybody who reached out because I remember when you first start, you're like, what can I do to get noticed? What can I do? And, and Mike's a great right. dude. And so is Pete. So I want to throw that out there. So you mentioned the Seattle and running yet. Yeah, they've, they haven't hit a hundred yards on the ground five of the last six games. And I'm looking at Seattle because we gave them a lot of praise this year. And look, they, they, they were six and three at one point and people didn't think they were going to win six games all season. Right. But if you really look at this, if you really go back and look now that we're that deep into the season, they beat a bad Broncos team that only they only beat because they fumbled, I think, three times in the red zone or two times in the red zone or whatever it was. They beat the Lions and they gave up 45 points in that game. 
They lose to the Saints, who suck. They beat the Cardinals, who suck. They beat a Chargers team who's ravaged by injuries. They beat the Giants, who I'm sorry, the Giants suck. They beat the Cardinals again, who still suck. And then they start to kind of come back to earth. They have the London game, and they lose to Tampa. And they didn't look good in that game. But you think, oh, they go to London. Let's see. They have a bye week. And then they come back and lose to the freaking Raiders. They barely get by the Rams, who are god-awful. And, and starting, starting <laughs> and the Rams are starting the that rookie quarterback from Virginia. Right. Right. Perkins or whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So they barely get to that game. And then Carolina right. runs all over them. They're seven and six. Their last their next three games are the Niners, the Chiefs, and the Jets. Yeah. Give me seven and nine real quick. Real I mean, quick. They're staring yeah. at 0 oh and three in that next stretch. Yeah. Serious, seriously. I mm-hmm. think the Jets are better than them right now. So they could go away really quickly. The Niners could just cruise here. I think where the Niners have to start turning their attention to, again, knock on what everybody stays healthy is the two seed. That's where I think we're talking, which is crazy to say because, you know, at three and four, we're like, where is this team going? But I really believe that. I think right now the, Niner, the Niners need to start looking towards maybe getting that two seed because it's it's attainable. And the Seahawks team, you guys mentioned Gino. He mentioned that he needs to play a little bit more within himself. I just think he is what he is, like you said. If they don't have that running game, and Ken Walker's playing, but his ankle is – there's no way his ankle is completely healthy. So yeah. it's, I think it's going to be tough sledding for them, and they have a defense that – Carroll likes to run the ball and play defense. Right now they can't do either. So they're definitely not doing what he wants to do. So this game yeah. is definitely set up for the 49ers to go in there. Even if they don't have – I think they could win with Josh Johnson, to be honest with you, because I think they could turn the ball and hand it off. I think this will be more of a Jordan Mason game just because I don't think you're going to rely on McCaffrey as much on the short week, at least, I mean, they may, but I, you know, I would think they try to get other people involved and Mason has been terrific. He's averaging, like you said, Akash over five yards of carry um, last two games. He's eight for 51 and 11 for 56 in terms of rushes. So I think he can maybe get in a little bit earlier this time around and really put the hammer down on them and have a good night. And I can see the Niners coming through. I don't know, man. I think my prediction for this game will probably be, well, if Purdy plays fifty-five to ten, but if not, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, no, no, I could, I could see like maybe a little bit more tough sledding because they're in Seattle. It's a short week. I could see like a twenty-four to ten type game. I still don't see, even though I am worried about the Niners' interior. Um, I, I still don't think Seattle is going to be able to do much offensively because nobody has against this defense. So I'll say the twenty-four to ten Niners. Yeah, I, across the stretch, I don't think anyone scored more than 17 points, and that was Mike McDaniel's Dolphins. And that included, like, a first play home run touchdown. 75-yard, to yeah. Yeah, and they gave up, you know, what have they given up in the second half of the last, like, six games? Like, 10 points, 7 points? It's something ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. they gave up 7 mm-hmm. to Tampa Bay, and they gave up 7, seven to Miami. To Miami. So 14, so 14, 14 in yeah. the last six games. I mean, they're playing <laughs> exceptional. Yeah. Um, and I just think they, they're they playing with a higher sense of urgency than they did earlier in the season. I think, like I said, they know what's at stake. Short week. They know they can take the division. It's a hat and T-shirt game. Uh, Little Birdie also told me they've got their Christmas holiday party this weekend on Saturday. So nice. the team probably would love to cap off the division and celebrate that this weekend rather than uh, you know losing on Thursday and just having a having a down that, holiday party. That hangover, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got a score prediction, Akash? I'm gonna go 27-14. I just think with if Brock Purdy plays, which I think he is, I think yeah. this offense is gonna run all over Seattle. 
And I just don't think Seattle's offense is good enough across four quarters to put up points against this defense. And then the other thing is defense. This defense has gotten what two plus interceptions in the last two weeks against Tom Brady and Tua, who didn't really throw interceptions coming into the game. Neither one and of them. So yeah, so they're just with the pressure that they're you know creating with their defensive line, they're forcing these quarterbacks to play a little faster. And Tom Brady just did not look like himself. Tua Tagovailoa, same thing, didn't really look like himself. And so I expect that trend to continue. I'm sure Pete Carroll views this as a kitchen sink game. He's probably got some type of fake punt, fake field goal, some Houdini shit lined up for this game. But um, even despite that, I just think the Niners are the better team. And I think we see something similar to 2019 where they're celebrating a division title in that visiting locker room. I agree. Um, I am going to stick with my shtick, which is I've picked the 49ers in every game so far this season. Uh, <laughs> it's worked out. It's worked out pretty well for me. Uh, and so uh, I will, I will pick them here. Uh, I, I honestly, uh, again, because it is a hat and t-shirt game, they can clinch the division. I just don't think there's any way that Brock Purdy doesn't play. Uh, I also think it's a little bit of gamesmanship from, from Kyle Shanahan. It's like maybe Purdy will play. Maybe he won't, you know, you might want to plan for, for Josh Johnson, wink, wink, right? Like, but I definitely think Brock is playing and I just don't think that this Seahawks offense is going to be able to do anything against this 49ers defense. And so while I don't think the offense is going to put on a performance like they did against Tampa Bay, uh, even though this defense isn't quite as good, although Tampa Bay's defense was beat up quite a bit, right? There were a lot of pieces missing in that mm. defense. I don't want to, I don't want to paper over that. You know, they were missing Vita Vea went out. They were already missing all, both of their edge rushers. Uh, they Starting were missing safeties. both of their safeties. They were missing their slot corner. Like there were <laughs> quite a few injuries. And so, you know, it, it does make sense that the 49ers did, had the performance that they did, but, um, but yeah, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go San Francisco 27 uh, Seattle 13. So similar to, to Akash, I just don't think, I don't think Seattle scoring two touchdowns against this team. And, you know, perhaps that score could be higher. There could be a defensive touchdown in this game. I think they are going to pick off Geno Smith at least once. Um, and one thing before we go, we're, we're up against it a little bit. I did think this was interesting. You know, we talked again, DVOA, the 49ers are far and away the number one defense in the NFL for the whole season, but also over the past six weeks. Again, they are first at minus 28.5%. Uh, second was uh, New England at, at, at minus 20.8. And third is the New York Jets at minus 19%. So I wanted to highlight that to say one thing that Kyle Shanahan is also good at is uh, recognizing uh, defensive coordinator talent and, and getting them on their team. Because you've got D'Amico Ryans with this 49ers defense, and then you've got uh, Robert Sala uh, coordinating that Jets defense. So I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see now who comes in to replace D'Amico because, like we said, it, it seems like a pretty much foregone conclusion that that uh, this is his last season in Santa Clara. Vic Fangio. I think so too. I, that, that is, I feel like that is the logical choice. The question then becomes, uh, Fangio likes to run a 3-4. Chris Kasurik coaches a 4-3 exclusively, and Nick Bosa wants to play with his hand in the, in the dirt. So there's those two aspects that make it like, would Fangio run a 4-3? I don't know. Um, I know that he can. I don't, I, I don't think there's anything he couldn't do. But I think that is the one, that is the one thing that makes me think, mm, maybe, maybe not. But, uh, but yeah, we'll definitely have to see. 
All right, Akash, tell the people where they can find you, man. You can find me at Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Handles right there. Uh, and appreciate you guys once again. Uh, always good chopping it up. Hopefully our predictions do come true in the 49ers. Uh, are able to win tomorrow night. Absolutely. Definitely. Celebrated division title on December 15th. Can't, 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 can't beat that. Be With QB3. <laughs> or maybe QB4. Yeah, it might be. Really could see it, which would be insane. If Shanahan does that, coach of the year, baby. He's got to be right up there for it. So, 100%. But all right, that's that discussion's for another day. For Akash and Brian, this is Al. Later. Nine three. One, two, three. Nine! Twenty-four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 